Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Front Row. I am your host, Joe. And this time around, no fronts, no games. I'm not going to lie about it. We're going to have a little honest one-to-one moment here. This episode is late as shit, guys. I can't, I can't front about it. But I promise you, there's a, there's a pretty valid, pretty valid reason. Actually, there's, there's a few reasons. Number one, life. Number two, life. And number three, I lost my phone. Sorta. But let me explain. Let me, let me explain. So this all started not too long ago, almost about a week and a bit-ish ago, and, uh, I had an appointment to get my car serviced, so I drove my car to the dealership that I normally get it serviced at, and they said it would take a few hours to, you know, get worked on, so I said, no worries, I'll, you know, I'll take the bus back home, and it was a working day for me, so on my way back home, I had also brought my laptop with me and my phone to do a little bit of office work, and by a little bit of office work, I just mean opening up an email, you know, sending a couple people a few messages, and just a quick, a quick one too, nothing nothing too serious so before I hopped off of the bus you know I had my laptop open my phone was tethered to my laptop so I could get you know Wi-Fi and just before I had to get off the bus I quickly you know packed everything up put it in my backpack and hopped off and the second I got off I realized my phone was on that bus and it was like an instantaneous thought of like hopped off the bus and looked at it and drive away and threw my hands up like it was a like an old 90s movie and just said to myself shit so i ran home i booked it like i was you know in the olympics quickly logged on to the wi-fi and could see my phone through the find my iphone app just you know moving inch by inch on the bus headed towards a particular go station and as soon as it got there it it was live for a few minutes and then it just stopped so i did what every normal person would do you know if you have an iphone you can activate the find my iphone app and it'll you know it'll allow you to basically brick and disable the phone as soon as it's connected to to wi-fi so i had sent a message to the phone um to the effect of like you know if you find this phone text this number you know bring it to this address i'll give you a cash reward and uh that that was basically that at that at that point so this was around you know maybe like 10 o'clock in the morning keep in mind it's a working day it's also a monday monday for me at least is a very hectic day i tend to be in a couple of meetings doing a couple of presentations and it's not the most uh, glorious thing to do on a monday but you know i definitely know that it's, it's coming up so as soon as i i realized that i lost my phone i had messaged my boss and just told him, you know, listen, like I lost my phone in a little bit of a pickle. Can you can you kind of cover for me for a bit? So he was a G about it and was like, no worries, Joe, do what you got to do. I got your back. So a few hours into the day, I had to go pick my car back up. And I had kind of come to this realization that I lost my phone. It is what it is. I didn't lose a limb. You know, I didn't hurt anyone. No one got hurt. Nothing major had happened. My data was backed up. So what's really there? There wasn't a, too much of a big deal. Yes, I did lose a phone that was valued at quite a quite a large sum amount of money. But the you know the silver lining is that I'm okay. I'm I'm okay. I'm healthy, and that's really all that I could be asking for at this point. So as the day goes on, I pick up my car and I just kind of realize to myself, I need a phone. 
and we had a few Android phones at uh, at the house, but it just wasn't gonna do it for me because I'm totally appled out. I have the entire ecosystem and it would be difficult for me to revert to a different, you know, uh, phone at that point. So I told myself, let's just go to the Apple store, get an iPhone, and kind of get on with our day and that week was hectic for me as well i was shooting a wedding i had to get in touch with my clients with my with my team and just with people to function and i know it sounds really crazy but in a world like today you actually do depend on your phone and it's it's not something that i i like to you know glamorize by any means but it, i think we've come to a point where we rely on our digital devices and i even realized to myself like i could have lost my my wallet and the same effect wouldn't have taken place because I would have just gone to, you know, Service Canada to get all of my documents replaced. I would have made one call to all my credit card companies and I would have had a new card within a few days. So losing your phone is almost the equivalent of like, you know, losing your digital self, uh, which is both terrifying um, and also speaks to the fact that we very much, you know, rely on our mobile phones to, to keep us um, in in track organized and almost sane if you will so all of that to say i went to the apple store stood in line you know told the apple rep what i was looking for they were like why are you looking for a phone joe and i was like well i just had my phone lost slash semi stolen and uh i need a new phone and they looked at me with the the saddest face you could imagine and they were like okay cool all good listen if your phone turns up you have 18 days to replace it. I mean, to, to return it, sorry. So I looked at them. I was like, oh, that's that's super nice of you. I appreciate that. And they were like, hey, by the way, when did you buy your phone? I was like, oh, actually, almost about a year ago today. And they essentially explained to me that, you know, if you, if you buy a phone within a year and you happen to have lost it or if it's stolen, depending on your credit card carrier, you might be illegible for phone replacement and essentially can get reimbursed like a very small nominal amount but you know you could you can get it done so i looked at them and i was like oh this is dope like i'm i'm totally down this is actually quite the silver lining didn't expect this but this is great and they're like yeah as long as you have your receipt we can pull it up for you here's the copy take it and you know if you need to use it you know use it so i had at that point i was like great this is a lot of money that i'm spending but it's okay there, there's there's some sort of you know there's some sort of positive that's coming out of this a couple hours into the evening you know i get home and around maybe like 7 30 maybe even like 8 p.m the doorbell rings and i go downstairs answer the door and i won't forget it it was this uh it was this lady this young lady and she was like are you joe i was like yeah what's up <laughs> she was like i think i I think I have your phone. And I just looked at her with like mass hysteria and was like, you're joking. And I just started laughing. She probably thought I was like, hi. And she was like, no, I, I think I actually have your phone. So I looked at her and she was like, do you have a piece of ID? And I was like, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, sh I showed her, you know, my, my photo ID and she was like, yeah, this is your phone. Um, here you go. I found it on the bus and we had like a, a couple minutes of exchange. And I was like, where did you find my phone? She was like, oh, I found it, you know, on the bus. And I was like, yeah, but where? And she was like, what, well, the back of the bus? And I'm like, but where? Like, give me the bus number, the route. Let me let me kind of figure out, you know, how you got it. So we, we essentially figured out where she had stumbled upon uh, my phone. And it was on the opposite way, going in the opposite direction of where I was going when I hopped off of the bus. And she kept it and the phone almost started to die. So when she kept it, she charged it. And I guess she got the message that I had sent to the phone and was
was kind enough to uh, to drop it off. So, you know, it, it gave me like a big smile on my face because I had, you know, photos and just everything was backed up. I, you know, no complaints. Everything was backed up. But the idea of losing, you know, something that you've kind of grown with and that you've grown attached to that you've, you know, put all this time and effort into creating moments with if you and I know this sounds absolutely ridiculous right now you know it's it's a little uh, it's a little frustrating is what I'll say so you know when I got the phone back I was like okay this shit is never leaving my sight it's gonna be like the child that is attached to me with a leash right now you know when you go to the mall um, and you see moms with their kids on leashes yeah that's exactly the way the phone is gonna be right now so yeah, it was it was great to, to get my phone back and it taught me something though. Slow down a little bit, make sure you're weary of what you're doing, just to be very cautious. And I know for myself in particular, I tend to rush a lot of things or feel the need to just kind of, you know, get things done in a very speedy like fashion. And as soon as I lost it, I was like, man, I got to slow down. That was actually one of the first couple of thoughts that came to my mind was I just need to slow things down a little bit. It's all good. You lost it. Now let's just kind of, you know, go throughout our day and not rush to overthink or, you know, wonder what, where, how, when, where, why I could have done something differently. Just kind of accept. So when I got my phone back, I was like, thank God. I've got you back, but now moving forward, I just need to kind of, you know, slow my roll a little bit and be, you know, be a little bit more aware. So that's my, that's my little tidbit and my little story for y'all. If you guys, you know, happen to be wondering why the hell the last episode was not uploaded on time, but bearing that in mind, uh, this episode is about to start and we catch up with two great friends of mine, Alicia and Tom. They actually are old clients of mine. I shot their wedding a couple years ago now. And since then we've just remained, you know, in touch and, and have been friends since and it's been an amazing a really dope friendship tom is a wedding photographer and he used to actually work uh for the region of peel and alicia his wife uh, now works for ibm so she is a female uh, in the tech industry and we get into uh, a lot about how we met our friendship a lot about their dynamic as a couple uh, they both come from different religious backgrounds which for me i think presents a very interesting dynamic and then again, we touch on just like different, different things here and there, a little bit of travel, a lot about, you know, their career paths, their trajectories of where they're going. And uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great episode, guys. It's a really good one. It's a good conversation. We actually did record this a few months ago. So uh, for those that are wondering, yes, this was definitely recorded in a park. We did have a lot of background noise. So pardon the, uh, the recording audio quality on this one. Uh, however, again, a really dope, really insightful conversation. So sit back, relax, enjoy my little anecdote about losing my phone and thanks again for for tuning in and this is joe with the front row podcast enjoy your episode guys cheers 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 Joseph too. yeah good evening good good afternoon we are we're currently in a park recording guys um and you know we've got some guests behind us some cars driving around us solid ground oh they're still going okay this is this is this is really happening so i'm gonna keep going into it and if they keep going fucked um, in, any, in any case, thanks for joining me, guys. I really appreciate this. We've been friends for a couple years now. Um, how long have you been here for, Marnie? Oh my gosh, we're just going on four, four years, years now. Yeah. So we've known you for close to five years. Almost five years. Yeah. Time. I feel like I've known Tom a little bit longer prior wow. to that. Just a bit. Tom semi-slid into my email DMs yeah. like a while before we like officially, officially met. I've been rejected several times. Just, <laughs> just a little bit. Just letting it Just know. Okay, so the, I guess the story is that Stephine, our mutual friend, um, put me in touch with Tom in, in like an email thread and was like, hey, Joseph, like one of my really good friends, Tom, is trying to get into photography. Do you think you could 
um, like just have a conversation with them and see where things go. And at that time, I was horseshit in photography. I had no <laughs> idea what the fuck I was doing, but I, I had the balls to be like, Tom, nice to meet you. I have nothing coming up. I had a bunch of gigs coming up, and we never spoke. And then years later in Chicago, Tom tapped my back while oh, at Stefina's at wedding. Yeah, yeah. wedding. At Stefina's wedding. Shout out to Stefina. And uh, he tapped my back, and it was like the middle of a dance floor, so it was really loud. There was a lot of alcohol flowing, and he tapped me on the back and was like, hey man, like I love your work. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, cool. I had no idea what the fuck he was. <laughs> Not a clue. Fair enough. And then I still have the email, by the way. I still have the email thread um, of us talking. I think Tom reached out and was like, hey, are you free on this day? Um, I, want, I want to see if we can meet. Um, and then I remember I met you guys once yes. in person. Correct. And I didn't see you guys until the day of the day. Yeah. And are you sure? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Right. So we I met remember, in Port Credit. Yeah, yeah, it was at a second cup. So we, yeah, met a, second. we met at a second cup, yes. and I remember like we had a great conversation. It was cool, and then like months went by. I think we maybe talked a couple times over email. Yeah. And then I remember seeing you like for bride prep, and was like, listen, I literally haven't seen you for months. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys got married. Yes. Yeah. Going Wild, on four right? years. Happened, yeah. Four, four years. So before, I guess before we get into I guess you guys being married for that long, walk me through like I know how you guys met, but what I find interesting about your relationship is the fact that you guys come from. Different different religious faiths um, so tell me about I guess like your dating history but also how you guys managed to pull it off because interfaith or religious wedding ceremonies um, and between families is, is a tough thing tough thing to do but also being brown is even harder gaining acceptance from your family so kind of just walk me walk me through that entire thing of like how you guys even met yeah uh, I guess I'll start yeah. um, so um, my actually my cousin um, was dating Tom's high school friend okay. Um, so she's West Indian, I'm West Indian, uh, my parents are from Trinidad. She married this Chinese guy and it just so turned out for the wedding, um, Tom was in the bridal party and so was I because Tom went to high school with this guy. So we met through my cousin um, and I was a bridesmaid, Tom was a groomsman and we were matched together for the bridal party, for the wedding. We danced together for the wedding, wedding so that's party. actually, yeah. yeah, that's how we met. Right. Kind of cheesy. You guys really got close for comfort. Yeah, kind of mm -hmm. cheesy. Full disclosure, I like aggressively pursued Tom. Oh. Aggressively. I don't know if I knew you knew that, but yeah. Tom like barely knew I existed. <laughs> so I think behind the scenes, I think your friend circle kind of like knew also. Yeah. They my were cousins, trying. My yeah, you're basically your yeah. cousins mm -hmm. trying to set me up with her. Um, so yeah, and then. So unbeknownst to you, yeah, I had no choice but to just say yes. <laughs> you were caught so, in Yeah, I was basically, yeah. yeah. That tends to be a common theme with many, many of my friends, except it's usually the guy trying to con the Yeah, no, no, no. I conned Tom wow. into this. Yeah. Big time. Seven years later, my work is done. Very nice. No, but yeah, so we that's how we met. Um, I would say we started dating about a month after the wedding. Okay. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you know, because it was a family wedding, mm -hmm. my parents actually had already met Tom. Oh, fair enough. Okay, um, okay. So they had met him, but they had just met him as this guy who was a friend of the family. Okay. Nothing beyond that. Okay. Um, and I think uh, I introduced you to my parents about four or five months into really? us dating. Yeah. yeah. I was moving to Ottawa for school, and a friend of mine bailed on helping me to move. And so I called Tom at the last minute, and I was like, hey, I know this is weird, but can you get in a car with me and my parents and drive to Ottawa for five hours Whoa, and he was okay. like I'm there um, wow. so that's how that's how you met them for the first time yeah. right? actually I met 
Well, yes. Officially, as like my boyfriend. Yes. Right, right, right. At that time, I guess you guys were just friends. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun way to meet your parents. Yeah. yeah. But on the flip side, I didn't meet Tom's parents till like over a year, okay. maybe a year and a half in. Why is that? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the stereotype. My girlfriend now, fiance, will meet my parents five days before we get there. You got to do the test runs. You know, you have to make sure like things are smooth <laughs> before I, you know, bring in the big guns okay. into the family. Because you know how they are. Um, but yeah, surprisingly, like even with different background cultures, like they were very like accepted uh, of you, like, and like they just oh, loved her. Yeah, and like it was her personality, just like uh, they just charmed them. So. I, I do think, though, in spite of that, like leading up to that point, you know, for me, my parents being West Indian and living in Canada for as long as they have. Like my dad has been in Canada longer than he lived in Trinidad at this point. Right, okay. Um, my mom has been here for like 30 years. So they've wow. been okay. in the country for a long time. Okay. Um, and for them, I think it was, we'd ideally like you to marry a Trinidadian boy. Right. But Tom is also like an amazing human being, right? Um, so I think when they met Tom, Tom could pull off being sometimes. He could, yeah. Actually, you both could pull off the so can his waistline. How do I know that? Don't ask me, guys. What I know. tunes. <laughs> we'll get me going. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were. But like, I mean, your parents were very open-minded, but they were hesitant, right? Like at first. Yeah, of course. Like, uh, like it's different for them, right? Like they they haven't been here as long as you have. Um, like your parents have. Um, also, like. The culture part is like completely different, like from uh, coming from Kerala. Mm -hmm. um, there is like Hindus, Muslims, and like uh, Christians, right? It's so quite often. Interject for a quick second. So, Tom, you're you're Malayali Catholic. I'm Malayali Catholic. Yes. Well, actually, if I can add on to that, my mom is Muslim, my dad is Catholic. So I actually okay. come from a mixed faith family. Fair, okay. Were which your, I think made it easy. Were your parents surprised at that part? You know, when um, you mentioned it to them. Like, was that an easier transition, if you will, for Yes, acceptance? it kind of definitely helped, I okay. think so, yeah. And But they didn't even know where Trinidad was initially. <laughs> so, like, I just told them they're from oh, damn South Indians, West Indian. And I was like, oh, which part of India? Which West? And I was like, Goa? No. Not that West. The yeah. other one. The other way. Um, yeah, like, I was surprised how they took that whole information and, like, uh, it wasn't, like, very aggressive as I thought, like, oh, you know completely against it but they like, were like more curious if anything of like tell us were, more like we want to be informed more judgmental at the same time no they were more i think like when they met her right. like her presence itself was like completely off like they threw them off guard yeah, yeah. um and like you don't expect like a tr i don't know like you're not a typical trini uh, i think i am a typical trini. you think you are but you come shit, out. so i don't get in trouble guys <laughs> i don't think personally i didn't Okay. But you have like, like, you like you communicate things much clearly. Your okay. enunciation, like, it's not like you didn't come with you didn't come with like a thick accent or okay. like okay. they were able to understand that, right? Okay. So, for them to uh, grasp that and like understand that, and you made it very easy for them. So, and and you're you're super charming on top of. That. Yeah. Tom's like, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. How do yeah. I get myself out of this I shit know. right it's now? Too late. It's too late. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's 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 actually a very interesting point around when you bring someone home from a different faith or different culture. It's almost like you have to do your due diligence to make sure that they are the perfect version from that culture, from that religion. You know, I, I think what's really interesting about what you just said around me sort of 
being a different kind of West Indian is right. that when anyone brings home someone from a different culture, a different religion, right. you almost have to bring home the best of person right. of that, of that sort of, version of what you're describing. Exactly, right? And it's kind of unfair, right? Like, it's unfair that, you know, if you were to bring home someone who was more traditionally insert culture, religion, whatever here, that they wouldn't necessarily be as easily accepted. But I also understand it, right? Like, especially for immigrants, Mm -hmm. they want something that they understand. They want to keep their lineage. Yeah, they want to keep their lineage going. They want their kids to be able to speak Malayalam. I don't speak Malayalam. To be fair, that's a human thing to do too, right? Like, even if you went for a job interview, you sort of like compromise yourself and like, you want to be the best version of yourself yeah. to impress the other person, right? So yeah, that's very that's true. That's like that's always there, and no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying too. So there's truth in both sides. Yeah. So you guys introduce each other to your parents. Mom and dad are on board, and I saw pictures. But walk me through, you know, how you celebrated your nikah, and then you know how your parents even took that. Because I know, like, I've got a bunch of friends that are in interreligious um, marriages and relationships, and that's a, that's a tough hurdle to get over. Like, how did how did that go for like your mom and dad? And how did you even bring it up? Hmm. <laughs> I was like, I didn't bring it up. I just showed. <laughs> like, I think when we officially decided to like get married um, there were things we had to do before even we got into that stage of like parents okay you're good to go get married Um, I think I remember the first thing was um, getting introducing no getting to introduce you to our priest our father uh, um, and I think you remember you remember meeting and he was like like, I don't know what your impression was, like, obviously, if someone did that to me, I'm, like, sort of skeptical right, of, like, yeah, like, I don't like doing that, like, whatsoever. Uh, but I don't know, but, like, it's, it was you more accommodating to my culture first. Okay. Before me, accom- the other way. Yeah. No, that's, that's, I would say that's an accurate um, right. statement. And, and I think that's especially because we got married in a church. Um, and our legal wedding was in a church. Um, it was a Catholic c- yeah. ceremony. Right? And in order for you to get married in a church, like, you yeah, you can't just walk on the street and get right. married, right? Like, there are classes you have to take. Right. There are certain, what are they called? Sacraments? Yes. Go ahead, go ahead, yes. Seventh car. <laughs> 20,000 cars trying to interrupt this goddamn It's episode. just one car just going in circles. <laughs> Honestly, it probably isn't. The driver is having a blast. That's like a, really like an absolute, It's that same guy just going in circles. Like an absolute just having goddamn day. motherfucking uh, blast right um, But yeah, like, um, we have to do, you have to do certain sacraments, right? When you're getting married in a church. Um, so, you know, luckily, and this sounds weird to say luckily, yeah. But I was actually baptized when I was a kid um, because when my mom came to Canada, she came here as a single mom um, and she didn't know what to do. So she was like, I need to get this kid into some sort of religion, something. And she was alone and she just chose to get me baptized. So we had the papers sort of showcasing that I had been baptized um, and it actually helped sort of overcome a lot of hurdles that I think would have existed. Um, And I knew from the very beginning getting married in a church was like number one priority for Tom. Right, right, right. Like, so you knew what you were up against. If yes, you know. I knew he wanted to get married in a church. I right. knew that was really important to him, right. in addition to his family, but it was also important to him. Sure. Um, so I was willing to sort of do what I had to do. Because um, I think a lot of the time people think of the wedding as the 
like the pinnacle of everything. Right. But it's a moment in time. What you're really looking forward to is your marriage and being with that person for the rest of your life. Um, So I would say, like, the church part kind of came easy to us, right? Yeah. Once we went through all the prep work and stuff, it wasn't, like, it wasn't that bad. Like, it was more helpful in terms of, like, how we handle our life together. That was the training, sole training purpose behind that marriage course. That's what we found. It was, like, more deep intellectual conversations we have good and how we want to go forward a good way to kind of like lay down the foundation if you will, yes right? yeah but to answer your question about the nikah um a nikah is a, as you know a muslim marriage ceremony um and it was really important that i sort of pay that sort of tribute to my side of the family yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's beautiful by the way nikah ceremonies are awesome <laughs> yeah it was really nice and we did it at our home because yeah. um, it is meant to be like a very sort of homely kind of exactly um, so, you know, we had family flying in from Trinidad and we did it at our home. It was very intimate. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I wasn't actually involved in a lot of the conversations that Tom had with his family about okay. the NICA, but I remember very vividly for like less than a year, but almost a year, every like couple months, I'd be like, hey, Tom, have you told your parents about the NICA? And he'd be like, no, not yet. Right, right, have you told your parents? No, not yet. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them. They'll, they'll just have to kind of do it. Um, and your your dad wasn't even, your dad and brother weren't even there. It was no, just your mom and your sister. Because we did it the day, you know, two days before our wedding, right? Oh, wow. So we had a lot of family that was flying right, in right, too. Right. And I think my dad and my brother were responsible of like... Holding down the fort, if you will. Yeah. Okay. And so okay. only my sister and my mom ended up coming. Um, and um, yeah, it was like, it was beautiful. Like my parents ended up coming... Your dad, dad yeah, ended dad up coming later. much later because yeah. they had to pick people up from the airport and stuff. So they all ended up coming much later. Um, but yeah, like it, it was beautiful. It was like very colorful, different. And like, like it was, I think it was a little bit more personal, I find. Yeah. I think that they weren't expecting it though. Like I remember pretty vividly when your mom arrived and she saw me. Surprise. Yeah, like she didn't, I don't think she understood that it was a wedding. It was like, I mean, you know, we didn't sign any papers that day, so it was purely it was, Yeah, your version of... Um, it was like a religious... Right. Right? It wasn't like, like a legal ceremony. Even in my culture, Kerala, we have something we do before the wedding. They put haldi and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. It's very common, too, in, in, in um, Christian culture, too. Um, but we just accommodate to your side because it's more... Because you were doing the wedding ceremony for the Catholic part, right? So we're, it's we wanted to give what their parents wanted, what their family wanted, and like we didn't have to do anything. All we had to do was like show up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the imam that we had do our nikah. So there are very few imams that will perform ceremonies um, if both sort of you know um, husband and wife in this case aren't Muslim. Um, And Tom was not willing to convert. I didn't want Tom to convert. Um, but he still did the ceremony nice. for us. So there are very few. Yeah, <laughs> he's awesome. Um, he actually also did the wedding that we met at. Um, nice. okay. So yeah, he's definitely yeah. <laughs> been in our, a lot of our family functions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, you, you made a good point. Like it, it didn't necessarily feel religious and it felt more spiritual, I think, than anything else. Um, but that was intentional. Like right. I think bringing two cultures and two families together, especially your parents are very religious. Right. Mm-hmm there has to be some sort of compromise in some areas. 
Um, and I think by virtue of my personality, I was willing to do a lot of that. Sounds yeah. like I was willing to do none of that. And your dad. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Your dad was like... My dad was super accommodating. Yeah, like, because he, yeah. he's also like mixed culture too, right? Mixed background, mixed... So he knows the game and like... He knows the meaning of life more than religious. Yeah. So he was willing to give back, if anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really respected him and like your parents. Are but getting oh. back to the church. Yeah. Like that, you know, it's a church wedding. and Everyone feels like they've been to a church wedding. Right. I was like, what is going on? Right, right, right. For what it's worth, you, you like, we couldn't tell. When we were filming your wedding, you looked like you had experienced this before. Oh. And like, you, <laughs> we couldn't tell that you were nervous at all. I had no idea. Yeah, we couldn't tell. We absolutely couldn't tell. I'm like, Tom, how many sign, How many times do I have to put the sign of the cross on my body? I'm just not going to do it anymore. No, you, I, I, like, on the flip side of that, like, for us, like, as soon as the ceremony was done, we were like, cool, this is great. Yeah, it's not like your regular Catholic ceremony, too, so it's like a very traditional like Malayali. Malayali yeah. Ceremony, yeah. So it's a little bit different, and we had, like, different, ceremony, like, um, traditions right. that are not part of, like, the regular Catholic ceremony wedding. So yeah. that's... That preparation and to like explain that Gigi Etchen helped a lot, like our father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and if we can explain one of the traditions, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the groom's side gifts the bride uh, a sari that's called, yeah, it's called the mantra kodi. Yeah, um, and you know, it's gifted and it's placed on the bride's head. Um, and then there's a, a, a thread that you have to tie through a cross or something. Is yeah. that what you had to do? Yeah. yeah. Um, the reason I brought that up is that Tom and I went to a wedding in Australia earlier this year. Right. Um, his cousin. Yeah. Um, the bride was white Australian. Groom was um, like Indian Malayali. Cool. And they actually switched it up a little bit where they didn't actually put the mantra kodi on her head. Okay. They just kind of put it on her shoulders. Oh, nice. okay. um, and it was like that sort of very interesting sort of compromise. Like in the middle. Yeah, right. of like, you know, I don't want this covering my head when I'm not being able to see anybody, right. but I still want to respect the culture. So mm -hmm. can we have a balance of these rituals? I and still want to participate, but show respect. Exactly. Right. So, I, I mean, I actually really appreciated that because I think it shows some level of progress yeah. of like, as more intercultural and interreligious marriages happen. Yeah. And that's for that for that culture, that's the most important part of the wedding. Right. That's the signifier. That's the one. Even the exchange of rings is not important. Like that is the most significant part. So if you're doing any changes to that and if people are accommodating, beautiful. Uh, if not, it is what it is. Like we'll see what happens. But you guys survived. You survived. You guys have made it this far. Actually. Just no, I mean, looking back on it, I think we, we definitely have some rose-colored glasses, which is not a bad thing. Um, but we knew that we were we were trying to get through something um, and that we just kind of had to, you know, make the right people happy. And uh, and when it comes to family. You had to play your, your part, if you will. Know, yes. Um, and that's less than ideal sometimes. You know, not everybody wants to do that. But I think... That's relationship though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think long-term game. Right. Small, yeah. Small exactly. things you have to do to please your family is nothing compared to like lifelong of happiness. So three going on four years now, what has the last almost four years kind of taught you guys about like relationship, about friendship, and just about like getting through shit? I mean, there, there are so many lessons I yeah. think you learn yeah. when you're married. I don't know, I, I guess I'll say for me, and this sounds super cheesy, but 
Um, have, have you ever heard of the five love languages? I have written down. Yeah, so the five love languages, if I can remember correctly, yeah. are um, physical touch, yeah. um, quality time, um, like verbal, like I think that's it, um, gifts, um, and then the final one I think is acts of service. Okay. And so it's this whole concept of you have to love someone in the way that they understand love. You can't love someone in the way that you understand love. Um, so for me, I would say personally, it was sort of learning Tom's love languages and understanding that, you know, I'm a very verbal person. So if I'm saying I love you all the time or I'm um, sort of, you know, saying nice things all the time, in my head, I'm like, oh, he understands how much I love him. But like, that's not his love language. So I need to love him in a way that makes sense. Uh, just buying him expensive camera gear. That's that's a good way to, to, to start. Not really. <laughs> Maybe. You can buy me shit. I'm fine with that. That's okay. <laughs> Yo, man, I made him take the quiz. <laughs> Which one? You don't remember? The, the love language? Yeah. 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 Um, it's a good quiz to take. It is every, every couple yeah, at least yeah. should take that. Yeah, so I was just like, your, I think yours are like, Quality time and acts of service. Right. Those are like okay. Tom's big ones. Okay. So for I me, didn't even know that until. Okay, like, so that's like a new discovery like, yeah, for, you, for you two together. Between us, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was doing things and stuff, and like right. she didn't reciprocate that right. act, and I only I found out after. Tom so was you doing didn't all. Feel loved? <laughs> Tom was doing all sorts of Titanic shit. Drawing I know, man. Shit. Like what the heck? <laughs> it was all waste. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. That was a discovery. That was yeah. very good. Um, that was, like that was for me at least. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with and, that. And and you know, I would say I'm still learning. Like I'm still learning, kind of, you know. And I'm. I think also I'm very like. Oh, in tune is not the right word, but I'm very like I kind of watch okay. reactions. Observe. To, yeah, observant. Yeah. That is the word. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm very observant. So like, okay, I did this. Did, did that work? Did it not work? I'm right. like very sort of self-critical okay. of how I can be a better partner. Okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Listening. For me, it's just listening. Yeah. Like, not just hearing. Right, right, right. Um, li literally, really listening to her. Okay. Um, sometimes I just hear things, you know, you know guys will just tune it out. in one ear, out the other. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, Guilty as charged. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, damn right. And that's a, that's a very, uh, what, what, like, it's a learned skill. You have to learn it through right, practice. Right, like, right. Trial and error. Yeah. And um, error. once you master it. Right. You will conquer everything in the relationship, I think, at least. Yeah. But we have, I haven't reached there yet. That's all I know. Okay. Uh, but that's one of my goals, obviously. You know, it's, it's interesting. So given, I think, everything that's happening in the world right now, right. pandemic, right. the murder of George Floyd, right. Black Lives Matter, all yeah. of that kind of stuff, yeah. um, we at home have been having a lot of conversations, I think, about, you know, what it means to be people of color, what it means to, you know, for the amount of anti-black racism within a lot of like Indo-Caribbean and South Asian communities, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, Very important conversations to have, by the way. Absolutely. And, and especially as like South Asian, Indo-Caribbean like communities to have, it's not something that we typically have. No. It's, if anything, it's almost taboo. Exactly. So it feels like now is like the perfect time to have this like clash of like, titans, if you will, under like the worst of circumstances, but to have those conversations. Sorry to interject. Yeah. No, you're, yeah, you're dead on. Yeah. Um, and like, I think, one of the things, I don't think we kind of figured this out ourselves, but um, a friend of mine, she was the one who sort of helped me to realize this, is that as when you're the child of immigrants, right. um, 
these conversations around how do you help the community, how do you help society become better, yeah. you're not necessarily taught that growing up. You're kind of just, you know, your parents are like, are, yeah, you're trying are. to make it like yeah. paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. They're trying to give you a good life. Right. Good you know. education, get the job, like, you know, get that money and whatever, yeah. uh, and then do best for your community as much as you can. But right. like, that's it's, the, not it's not your priority, right? at that moment, right? Whereas for a lot of, I think, um, people who have generations of privilege in this country, mm -hmm. they're able to think about how they want to give back and how they want to make the world a better place mm -hmm. because they're not worried about, you know, paychecks, sending kids to school, getting, like, th that's just, it's become normalized right. for them, right? right? So I think one of the things as this sort of new generation that we haven't spent a lot of time figuring out, but I think we want to, mm -hmm. is how do we... How do we normalize the making the world a better place in the small ways that we can? How do we normalize those, those conversations, but also the actions? Exactly. That was a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I say that as like, you know, we've only been having these conversations recently. I would say for the first three years, we were not having these conversations. So to your point earlier, it was almost like sort of the recent events kind of catapulted us into this kind of narrative yeah um but yeah like i mean otherwise we kind of take our lives really day by day yeah. uh, i like to plan and and tom is kind of mm -hmm. like let's take one step <laughs> i will say one thing that you guys definitely plan really well are your travel trips together like recently where, where have you guys been so far first trip was to bc bc right Dubai was our first Actually, trip. for honeymoon, we went to... Yeah. yeah, where you bought an expensive-ass carpet. Yeah, that's a different story. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. I'll put a picture somewhere on the screen. Season but. two. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did Dubai, um, and then we did the West Coast, nice. BC. Nice. Uh, we just drove the whole... Uh, whole province, pretty much. Yeah, basically, you started from Vancouver, Dope. drove all the way to um, Tofino, right? Mm -hmm. No, we went to Tofino, and then we went to... Uh, what's the other... Part of the region, the the, the winery region. Kelowna. Kelowna. Yeah, the Okanagan nice. Valley. Okanagan Valley, yeah. beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then where else did we go? Um, we went to Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Phenomenal spot. Yeah. And then our last trip was to Australia and South New Zealand, Very dope. which is oh my god. Yeah. Tom's dream. Dreams. I mean, before we got married, we went to um, Banff. That was our Damn, yeah, uh, that yeah. was our first yeah. trip together, I think, yeah. as a couple, yeah. Um, which, like, if you know and you've been, is yeah. just like been, stunning it's beyond it's belief. It's nothing, yeah. like, nothing to compare. I find to. that traveling yes, within Canada, <laughs> I find that traveling within Canada is very underrated, and I feel like it gets overlooked often. Like even for me, when I made my trip out to Calgary and Vancouver, I was like, holy shit, yeah. there's so much beauty within our own country and like within literally like our backyard. Pardon? Like, and it's it's not that expensive. Again, the privilege in me is talking right now, but. Yeah. It's, it's, there's so much to see, there's so much stuff that it offers. It's funny you say that, because when we went to BC, yeah. I remember Tom had just turned 30. Oh, yeah. And for each of our 30th birthdays. Aging my man's right <laughs> I know, right? Okay, he's older. It's revealed. He's older he than that. He is young at heart, guys. I assure you. I How many years ago was that? Um, oh, my God. So, he was like, so like, we made a deal, you know, for each of our 30th birthdays, right. you know, whoever was turning 30 got to choose the big trip that oh. year. And so I was like, Tom, we can go anywhere in the world. And he's like, I want to go to Vancouver. Nice. And I was like, what? I was really confused because um, I have been a few times. But I was like, OK, if we're going to go, we're going to do BC. We're going to do the province. So to Tom's point, we did Vancouver. 
we did Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Island, like Victoria, um, Tofino, Ukulet. We did Whistler. Yes. We did the whole Okanagan Valley. Yeah, yeah. We did randomly Abbotsford. Oh yeah, okay. That's yeah, good. like yeah, we yeah. just we drove the whole most of the most you, of the. Province. You've done a little bit of Canada, if you will, and then you mentioned Japan, New Zealand. Did you guys end up going to Greece or no? Right, that's what got canceled. Yes. Okay, so okay. we were supposed to go there yeah. for our friend's wedding. Right. Um, obviously, because of the pandemic. I know. Yeah. We're really looking forward to that. That's okay. Probably will happen next year. All good. All good. So, yeah. good, things, good things in good time. One of the reasons why I ask about travel is because, uh, much like you guys, I so I want to say a few years ago I started getting into traveling, and my first trip that opened me into like what I can do was when I took my mom out to California. Yeah. And we did an amazing wine tour out there, and yeah. that's kind of that was like one of my earlier experiences. But I know for you guys, you guys are big like alcohol fans, but also wow, um, big big um, big big wine connoisseurs is what I will say. Not even. But are, are, are getting there. Um, so you know, in in all the places that you visited, I'm sorry, I've, I've outed them. Yep, they drink a lot. Tom is like supremely. Yeah. I've seen their alcohol cabinet. It's actually pretty premium. It's, I'm not gonna lie. To your point, we um, another place we went last year was Napa. We went to Napa. Yes, you guys California. have been. Yeah, you guys have been yeah. to California as well. Out of all the places you guys have been to, what's been your best wine experience? Mm. Wine experience? Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Um. I can. I'm gonna say what mine. Okay, has say been. yours. Um, wine experience. I loved like the Okanagan Valley. Okay. I really liked um, BC. Like I think the. It's called like the Naramata Bench yeah. and Penticton and Usuyos. Like, there's like hundreds and hundreds of wineries there. Yeah, I believe um, there's like over 150 to 200 like in, one, in like, that region. region. Nice. And like the landscape itself is like just stunning and breathtaking. Yeah. So I think that made it very unique and like the wines were like very intimate and like. And it's Canadian. Canadian. Yeah. Are you surprised like when you went there? You're like, shit, this is actually. Yeah. 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 Some of the best wines actually we tried are from BC. Yeah. Like I, mean, I did enjoy a decent amount of like wines from California. Yeah, yeah, Don't get sure. me wrong. Yeah. That's like like yeah, it's the If you haven't been like, highly recommended by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, on the flip side, like we actually haven't been to Italy. Like No, right? there's we've still a lot of places. Yeah, we haven't been yeah. to Italy. Of course. You know, we haven't been to Portugal, which I know you Portugal was amazing. Yeah, you were yeah. in Portugal. That that for me I think tops the list. Um I so a couple years ago I shot a concept film out of Niagara and it was nice, like being out in a vineyard, seeing how they make the wine, and I think just that intimate like one to one experience is really dope. But then when you experience it in a different country, completely it's different. It's way, way different. So for me Portugal was insane because we took we got in a Tesla to go all the way out to Porto and it was like four of us. So having like organic food like made on a farm, completely different experience. So I think for me, yeah, that was that was definitely at the top of the list. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to start traveling again. Ooh, you but I, I don't I don't even know what that's gonna be. Well look I'm like. also looking forward to it. I'm also just like, hmm, are things gonna be sanitary enough to hop on a plane? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's a little concerning. I mean even even taking public transit now. I still haven't. Yeah, another have I. I, I don't know how comfortable I feel yeah. doing it's it. It's been a few months and yeah, it almost feels foreign to me. Yeah. But imagine going to another country and taking the public transit there, because yeah. how often are you going to be cabbing every time, right? Yeah, you're actually very right. So it almost feels. I mean, this is this is, does not make any sense, but it's almost like out of sight, out of mind. Right. When you're like in a when different you're, yeah, place. Yeah, I find that when I'm traveling, I don't even think about my first world issues because yeah. I'm like, whatever, I'll just figure it out. Yeah. But with this pandemic, you you actually ha you're forced to think about it. Yeah. Right. You're totally right. Yeah, no, but yeah, we're, we're looking forward to traveling again. Nice. And I mean, I, 
we I don't I wouldn't say we did a whole lot of wine drinking in Australia and New Zealand. No. Um, but That's obviously something I wish we had the time yeah. to do it. Yeah. But definitely that countries are not the only that's not the last time we're going to go there like yeah. definitely going to go back to new zealand and australia again and sometime and J japan's every year yeah, most likely your, your japan trip was like japan we barely discovered they anything. scratch we, the surface right nothing man yeah, yeah, yeah i kid you not like every two to three weeks tom is like alicia can we go to japan <laughs> i'm like literally we were just there but like do you think maybe we should go to japan one more time but like maybe we should just go to Japan. <laughs> like if, oh, if, if we could do it like a weekend trip, every weekend that's the spot I would go to. I know, obviously not. though you work with Michael Kuto right so how's that transition been going from politics to now technology and more more specifically though as a colored female like you know I know a lot of females that work in the tech industry and it's a very hard place to be in I know it's your first time being in that in that vertical for me I'm so used to working in technology but how have you found that transition and how did you even get started in working in you know politics and having to make that shift yeah. Um, so you're like you. I feel like you've identified like three themes that have been very top of mind for me yeah, throughout yeah. my career. Right. Um, so I guess I'll start with the political world. Right. Um, I love politics. Yeah. I've always loved politics, um, and I've always wanted to work in politics. So it's been sort of a dream of mine. Cool. So I uh, I worked in consulting for a few years, um, and Kathleen Wynne was the premier at the time. Right. Um, yeah. So there was a liberal government. Yeah. And I just knew that I wanted to work for her. That was my goal. I wanted to work for her in some capacity. I didn't really know what that looked like. Um, politics is a very hard world to crack into if you're not already part of it or you don't know the right people. So I got very lucky. Um, I had seen a job posting posted publicly and those postings aren't usually public. They're usually just internal. So I applied um, and the chief of staff who is now actually a very good friend of ours, um, she took a chance on me. She really took a chance wow. on me and she hired me as a press secretary for Michael Cotto. Um, so I was Michael's... <laughs> That's okay, no? Um, I, I, a lot of people look at it and they're like, Cotto, Cuto, but yeah, it's, it's Cotto. Um, and uh, so Michael Cotto is a, currently an MPP, a liberal MPP. Um, he's a really great guy. And I would say, that, yeah, they, they took a chance on me. Um, so we had an office of about 13 people um, and it was the most diverse office I've ever worked in in my life. Um, a really excellent balance of black people of color, um, men, women. It was it was amazing. Um, I've never worked in an office so diverse, and I will say now that I don't work in that kind of office. Oh, 100 percent. I miss and I, I talked to Tom about this almost on the daily. I miss it so much. Um, it was one of the most formative and incredible experiences of my life so far. Um, so I worked for Michael for two and a half years. Um, and we did really awesome things. You know, we launched the first Black Youth Action Plan. We launched Ontario's first anti-racism directorate. Like we did things that people are talking about now, and we did these things like three or four years ago. Um, so, you know, a lot of the conversations we're having right now feel very timely. But yeah, it was a great office of really smart people. Um, and then I would say two and a half years in, I actually got recruited to the premier's office. Okay. 
Um, so for about five months up until the election of June 2018, I did all of the multicultural and ethnic media for Kathleen Wynne for the election. Um, so that I think that was like the culmination of like I want to work for this awesome woman and I got to do it. Um, so I got to brief her, I got to work with her. Um, I, I text her on and off again. Yeah, so she, she was very lovely and gave me her number. Um, yeah, she gave me her number and she was like, if you ever need anything. And, and I think that just goes to the type of woman she is. She's a really incredible woman um, and s smart, like so, so smart. I think got a lot of heat politically for reasons that we won't get into. Um, but yeah, like she, she's awesome, um, awesome woman to work for. So I did that for five months until we lost the election and I lost my job. I remember this day. Yeah. Oh, wow. This, I guess they, they remember it too. Yeah, they were upset. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I transitioned into uh, working in tech. Yeah, it's it's different. It's different it is right? very different. Yeah. Uh, not as diverse as it should be. Right. Um, a lot of, I think... Company dependent, but overall, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it, as, as an industry. Right. Um, and, I, and this is something we talk about openly, at, you know, at our company, and, and we've been having these conversations yeah. more openly now, of you know, doing more work to, you know, raise um, Black voices, right. Indigenous voices, and like women, yeah. um, to our leadership levels. Emails in tech are dope, by the way. Like it's, uh, you know, when I used to work for Microsoft, um, we my entire marketing communications team was led by 90% females. I think I maybe had like three, maybe even four male like staff on the team and they were all senior but everyone else was like women and they were they weren't just in like you know very lower level position they were all bosses and I find for me that I'm able to actually function better when I have like female leadership I find that it leads to better success better organization and then when I have like you know male bosses comparatively and that's no distance okay it's a little bit of a distance on my male bosses <laughs> but I find that yeah when I do have like male directors to report to the vibe is different compared to what I faced before, but have you found that now that where you're working right now, that you're seeing an increase in females in the workplace? Or is there like kind of a ways to go, if you will? I think there's a ways to go. Um, and, and I think, you know, if you, you know, different companies keep different levels of data um, and part of like collecting and, and sort of making that data public either internally or externally, um, it relies on a, a lot of people to self-identify, right? Um, so there, there's a lot, I think a lot of hurdles that companies have to move through from an HR process mm -hmm. to get to the point where you can actually say like this percentage of the workforce is actually diverse or you know whatever whatever qualifier you're looking for. Um, and there are tons of women, but it's about making sure those women aren't just all middle management and making sure those women are promoted to senior leaders. Because I think that's that's one of the tough, toughest things in the industry is there's there's not a lack of women. There are tons of women, but it's promoting them. Right. Promoting them and also making sure that like their wages are equal to that of men as well. And because I like I've been in companies where it's been the reverse. Of like our male like directors or CEOs are earning way more than the, the female and women counterparts, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And these are like big name companies as well. So, yeah. are you liking it though, being in tech? It's different. Is it for you? Yeah, I mean, I I would say when it comes to tech, IBM is very much like it's it, we're a B two B company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're ed, we're enterprise. Right. Um, we're not consumer facing. Right. So you know, a lot of the language that we use. Mm -hmm 
isn't, you know, if I were to talk to, you know, the average person on the street. Your average Joe. They, uh, <laughs> 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 that joke. That joke. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people think that we still make like ThinkPad right, computers. Right. Do? We don't. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> ages ago. We don't. That, and, and, and it's not just you. I've talked to reporters wow, who okay. still think that's what we do. Um, so there, there is a, um, a lot of work to do around educating people about what it is that we do. And the majority of our business is in cloud, AI, blockchain, um, and services. Um, that's where our business is. But, you know, it's about sort of getting to the point where I can get rid of these flies. Um, <laughs> and, like, you know, educating people. Um, but it's, it's definitely been a, I don't know a life learning experience okay. working. I remember when you sort of like left um, the political world, the government world, she was like, I want something different that you want to challenge. Like right. you want to, and tech was something that was not in your portfolio before. Yeah, yeah. And she wanted to just at least give it a shot. I remember you saying that yeah. very clearly. Right. And she started aiming for that right. and, and yeah. then ended up with IBM, which is fantastic but like it's also a learning experience it for you, is right? yeah like, especially with with uh, a company that you know is over a hundred years old and has a legacy like that yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um, one of my portfolios is the cloud right, right and right. so I, I often like make this joke of like I, I don't have a background in tech and so, <laughs> and, so, and suddenly my sole responsibility is to help the business like market cloud technology right. which is so nebulous right. right so you know how do if, if I sort of my marker in all of this is if I don't understand it nobody else is gonna understand yeah. it um, and that's that's even actually how I, <laughs> I marketed myself in my interviews right like right. you want someone who actually doesn't understand the intricacies of this technology right. because you know we're trying to get people to write about us right. and right. in Canada the um, tech sort of media is very very small there's maybe two or three outlets that are like tech heavy the rest are like mainstream media care about people lifestyle like b2b b2c not b2b um, so how do we take these sort of really intricate technologies and showcase that actual people can benefit from them instead of just you know the story of like banks and governments banks and governments you know fortune 500 kind of thing but yeah, no, it's it's definitely been an interesting transition, um, and you know, I, it's funny. I actually had a, a conversation with my old boss, and he was like, you know, Alicia, I think it's you, you know, you're 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 in the sort of stage in your life where you can use the experience that you've had right. to make sure that diverse voices are represented uh, yeah, in, in yeah, whatever yeah. way that yeah. kind of looks like. Yeah. So I've been you know advocating for that through my boss, yeah. and I was like, hey. You know, I think we should do a town hall that we, where we bring someone in to talk about this and, you know, just trying to sort of not just have conversations at home, which are important. Forward, but yeah, if, yeah. If, I, if, I, if I am knowledgeable enough mm -hmm. to sort of use my influence in other spaces, and that's not something I think I have been doing, but right. I think it's something that I should, I want to be doing and I'm, I'm going to try to start. We'll see what that looks like. <laughs> Good luck to you. I want to pivot one more time though, because Tom, you used to work like a, a traditional nine to five. Correct. And while also running your own small business. So I don't, I don't want to do a poor job at doing it, but what do you do? I used to work for the region of Peel um, in the waste program planning sector, but I quit my job, uh, I think uh, uh, January of this year, yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. 
and I started pursuing my uh, my life into full-time uh, photography. Um, I've always like um, had a passion, interest, yeah. Yeah. love for it. And you were still working full-time at one point, and also like running your business. I was doing that part-time, yeah. yeah. but like I never, I didn't know when was the right time or if I was ready to like right. commit myself, like yeah. go full-time, and mm -hmm. you know, um, and yeah, I've been doing that since then. And then the pandemic hit, right. and like. Um, it's been every day. It's it's a new challenge, uh, if you will. yeah. It's a new challenge, yeah. but like I think I'm in a much happier place. Good. And it's just tough to find, by the way, when I you're a business owner. To that. Yeah, Lucia's <laughs> like he's happier because of me, <laughs> not because he decided to pursue running a business full time. No, 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 oh, no, no. Man. Don't get the two mixed up, guys. Oh, no, no. Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, like things have been a little bit more clear. Nice. Um, things what I need to do yeah. and where I need to be and where I want to, uh, what do I need to do to get there? Um, just like, yeah, it's, it's like I've never, I always did that at the back of my head, but mm -hmm. never fully committed myself to have that real conversations right, right. with myself and with Alicia. Now it's no longer like a back burner thought, it's actually currently present day you're living and breathing in 20 Exactly, and um, I find it much more, um, worth living for Fulfilling like will, instead right? of just like you know i'm looking forward to my weekend right. um like you know just enjoy uh but now every day is like oh my god it's a beautiful day what can i do today right. how can i make an impact nice. what am i going to shoot like how go. and um yeah just connecting new people yeah. um and just hearing different stories different cultures um how they all come together and like i primarily shoot weddings okay. Um, but I do a lot of other stuff on the side, but like uh, weddings has always been my uh, my dream yeah. and it's always new. It's never the same. Yeah. Every time I learn something new from every culture yeah. um, and it's just, it's just bre breathtaking like for me. Um, yeah, and I like try to bring something that I learned through uh, someone like a new new couple that I met yeah. that I've shot yeah. and bring that to our lives saying yeah. like, okay, how can that? Uh, like I look, yeah, I learned that snippet. I didn't even know that was something they were practicing. And like we have that conversation, it's like, oh my god, like, why didn't we do that? Like, how can like what can we do about that? Like, uh, so it's been fun. Nice. It's been fun. Are you gonna reveal who your your dream wedding to shoot is? Guys, uh, Alicia's no, a new no, host no, no, of the episode today. Uh, Alicia, sorry, would you would you like to <laughs> kindly uh, ask your husband, and rightfully so, your husband Tom, what the best wedding that he's shot is, and just let him out one of his couples right now? No, no not even that. He has like. No, no, no. <laughs> we won't. We won't. We won't. We won't get into that. Either. Okay, if I really wanted to shoot someone's wedding, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be the weekends and oh. Drake. But Drake, obviously, not gonna happen. The I weekend. We love. We're not gonna say yeah. some shit to get It's some just trouble. like, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that having your partner as a small business owner, like that comes with its own set of challenges. How have you found, you know, being with Tom from like dating him to now being married to him to kind of seeing that evolution of like his career kind of taken off? Like, what's what's the other end of that like being a business owner's partner? I am so proud. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean. I have actually been pushing Tom to quit his job for yes, like a couple of years yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been met with a lot of resistance yeah. um, but like I think that I saw when he was at his happiest right. and I saw when he was at his grumpiest right. 
and I started to sort of put two and two together. Yeah, and so I knew. Let me guess. He was at his happiest when he was <laughs> shooting and documenting something, wasn't he? Yeah. Just a wild guess. And even when he was editing, yeah. you know, which I know isn't the most glamorous part Absolutely of, not. you know, doing what you guys do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I. I, I have never been happier, right. but I've never been happier because, like, Tom is so much happier yeah. doing what he's doing right now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. honestly, I think it's fun. Like, there there are definitely a lot of challenges financially, mm -hmm. you know, because you go from, you know, uh, a, a really stable, good yeah, income yeah, yeah. to a little bit of unpredictability, especially very, in the first year. Stable, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, like, I, I'm excited to like watch him grow right. um, I think the growth is like the most exciting thing for me and yeah. um, to see like what what he can do and I'm there to support him every step of the way and I, I think from a personality perspective Tom is a little more risk averse yeah. and I'm a little less risk averse right, right. Um, but that's a good balance to have if anything, though, right? yeah if anything we'd have no money left if I was <laughs> responsible for our lives so like <laughs> it's good to, it's good to have this um, but yeah, no, I, I like, I have no qualms about it. And you know, it's an interesting question because I have not talked to a lot of people about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine that people will have different responses because it's, yeah, it's not an easy thing right. to sort of navigate. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say for the first, how many months has it been? Seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. And during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, I thought it would be much worse than what we initially I thought. Think the but the best like, part about being like a business owner especially like in our industry of like primarily working in weddings is that there's going to be a ton of people getting married that's post pandemic and business will pick up so i can i can tell you right now like we're planning for 2021 right now and we see the trend is that everyone's going to be either getting engaged this year it's it's made for a lot of relationships to kind of like not escalate but i think like um expedite their like relationship to be like hey maybe we should take this next step maybe we should oh my god we should get married we should get engaged holy shit i just proposed to you we need pictures we need video we need a decorator we need outfits we actually need a venue etc 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 so i feel like we're gonna we're definitely gonna be prosperous next year that's for sure yeah. and that's gonna make for for a lot of good material good clients coming your way so yeah and like even when we have like the downtime right now yeah. like i just spend time on specializing the skill set like right. how can you get better but right. like it's perfecting your craft yeah and it's very important right now we have that downtime we can like i like i can focus on that um and it's been like amazing like i've invested so much into that part of the field yeah. which i wouldn't have regularly right. out of just like you know practiced and just done mm -hmm. just go in field and do it but getting that foundation how to get it a little bit more take it to the next level right. um and then going and practicing and doing it mm -hmm. makes a big difference so nice. Um, yeah, so it's been like it's been fun, cool. like, and I hope that we'll get somewhere further away than. Well, I mean, Tom, you're talented, man. I can tell you that right oh, now. Not thanks. not just because <laughs> I've I've seen you shoot and I've seen your work, but I've I've seen the hustle and the dedication that you put in, and from one business owner to another, and I think just one like hustler to another. That's just not easy. It's not easy to wake up every day and be like, how do I acquire a new client? How do I figure out how they're gonna like my work? How do I improve my skill, like my craft, and what I do? And how do I scale it? That shit is tough. And to you, Alyssia, as well, to actually like have to sympathize, but also like want it. That is that is a different type of like relationship to have, right? So kudos to you both for you know like. Yeah, that's the best part. Like, yeah. Like we understand each other. Right. Uh, she, I know what makes her happy. She right. knows what makes me happy, right. and like we're super supportive of each other. And if we are able to do that, right. I think we can conquer. We can do whatever 
whatever things are coming our way. We Tom, I'm gonna kiss you, goddamn. We should be fine. I'm, I'm as long as we have Joseph on the side recording. <laughs> Shall I kiss him for you? <laughs> you can, you can kiss Tom for me. Um, I'm gonna take this moment just to say thank you guys for joining me for our episode today. Um, a final, final question that I have for you guys is, uh, what's next? What's next in like your career, Tom? Like, what are you looking to achieve in the next year? And then to you, Alicia, what would you like to do, you know, further into like a year from now? Where do you see yourself? Yeah, I can hit, I can uh, tackle first. Uh, my my answer is a little more nebulous though, okay. um, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, yeah. and and uh, it's not going to come across the way I want it to, okay. but I want to be a little bit more of an influencer, nice. um, and I don't mean that in like a social media sense. Cut all that. Um, I want to sort of use the knowledge that I have right. and the experience that I have right. to influence people around me. Yes. Um, and I don't exactly know what that looks like and I don't know how to do it yet. Um, and I don't even know if social media is the right way or there are other avenues to do that. But I think over the next year, it's something that I've, I've thought a lot about over the past few months and it's something I want to do. Um, I just don't, I haven't figured out what the right avenue is. Okay, you're still on your journey, which is okay. Totally allowed, Tom? Um, I think for me, what I would say is like, I don't have a set plan what I want to do for next year whatsoever. Because sure, sure, sure. yeah. I find that as soon as you plan something, sometimes things change. A and happens. A pandemic happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd rather be ready at the moment, right. live every day to its best right. and like do my best as I, to the best, ugh. <laughs> I do something to the best of my abilities every single day and like whatever happens deal with that at that time and evolve from there so like the ability to like uh just be like ready for whatever happens and like if a situation is different adapt you learn to adapt that's more important for me than prepping for like something that's oh this is a big milestone I need right, to right. hit. I think milestones are good, but to your point, I think like learning or knowing how to adapt. Yes. That's, that's again, a as, a, as, a, as a business owner, or just as a person, that's very tough. Yeah. Right? And then like knowing that, I think the fact that you know that in itself is like you already have a huge advantage. Like most people that like decide to want to start something new or, or start something again, don't even think about that part. They just think I need to have a sale and that's it. That's the end all be all. But just you, I think identifying with that, I think speaks already volumes to the fact that you'll achieve it. I'm, I'm sure of it. So. We'll get there. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'd rather do that than you know have like plan for like whatever my target you is. Do that and also happy life. And that too. Happy, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up today's episode. Again, guys, I just wanted to say thank you. I have no idea if we're still recording. If we're not, I just. Thanks again. Uh, no, no. Again, big, big thank you for you guys for thank joining you for us. Having us man. Um, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I look forward to many, many more milestones within our own friendship and relationship. Um, and that's it for today's episode of the Front Row. This is Joe with Tom and Alicia signing out. Peace. We love you, Joseph. Yes, we do. I hope, I hope <laughs> this is still recording. If it's not, we're, we're <laughs>